Hey, this is Pastor Greg Evans from Calvary Assembly of God. I want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I pray that God will speak to your heart, that he will challenge you, and that you will be encouraged and that you will overcome by God's word and the word of your testimony. God bless you. Enjoy the service. We've been in a series called Aftermath. We've been talking ever since Easter other than a couple of special services in between with Mother's Day and, uh, and guests. But uh, we've been talking about the after effects, the things that took place after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, the aftermath of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is still happening today. We're part of it, amen? So we talked three weeks ago about the um, disciples that were on the road to Emmaus. And we said that, Just because we don't recognize Jesus, you'll remember they didn't even know who they were talking to. But just because we don't recognize Jesus doesn't mean he's not there. And we said that he's never late. And then at the end, it says that their hearts were set on fire. After they recognized who Jesus was, their hearts were set on fire and they began to tell others about what they had seen and what had happened to them. We saw that the Holy Spirit was available in that moment to set them on fire for the glory of God. Two weeks ago, Pastor Joe Carissimo taught from John chapter 21 about the miraculous catch where Jesus, after his resurrection, comes and tells the disciples to cast their nets on the other side. And then Peter is restored because, you remember, Peter had denied Christ. And, and now he's restored in his commitment and his renewed commitment to, to tell people about Jesus. And Jesus asked Peter this. He says, do you love me? And Peter says, well, you know that I love you. And then, and then Jesus says, then feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. There's a mandate from God to his church, to his children, to feed the sheep. The sheep are those that are out there in the world. The sheep are those that are lost and undone. The sheep are those that have yet received Christ as their Lord and Savior. And if we love him, Jesus is saying that feed my sheep. In this series, we're looking at the after effects, the reverberations, the fruit of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, I said this two weeks or three weeks ago. I said the life and death and resurrection of Jesus is all it took to fulfill the plan of God. (laughs) That's all it took. We didn't necessarily need anything else, but God gives so much more. He doesn't, he's, it's never just like, one and done with God. There is, a, there is a vast supply of his victories, his blessings, and the unknown graces and glories of God that we haven't even tapped into yet. Can I get a witness in this room? And so don't just think, so, so it's all it took was the death and, and, and resurrection of Jesus, but that power of his spirit that he promises us is still being poured out in the earth today. We're part of the story. We're part of the aftermath. We're part of the after effects. Your story isn't finished yet. He's already dealt with us in these altars this morning, and he's begun to stir us and and to release grace to us and help us to see that his grace is sufficient for us. And that's what I want us to catch today is that his grace is sufficient for us. It's sufficient for your children. It's sufficient for your coworkers. It's sufficient for the world beyond the four walls of this building. And it's up to you and I to take this message of love to the ends of the earth. Can somebody say amen? It happens through your life. It happens because of Jesus' life, but it happens through your life. You'll remember on Easter Sunday, we read from Romans chapter 8, verse 11. It says, the same power, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in who? You. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give your life. He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit that's living in you. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. His spirit's in you. His Holy Spirit's in you. That means his power's in you. That means his grace is in you. You know, we're not only receptacles of God's grace, we are conduits of his grace. We don't just receive it for our own lives, we become a conduit to pass it on to others, to tell someone else about him, to love someone else who feels unloved, to care about someone who has yet to be cared for. 
It happens when we pray for them. It happens when we sit and talk with them. It happens when we give it an offering like we give in today. It happens when we pray for missionaries and send them around the world. It happens when you and I do our part. His spirit is in us. His spirit empowers us. His spirit comforts us. And his spirit is always with us. Since the inception of the Assemblies of God in 1914, the number of missionaries appointed and sent out around the world are in the multiplied thousands, tens of thousands. We've sent them out. They've given up their life. They've laid everything aside. They've sold everything. They've they've gone and they've sacrificed their life. Some have given their life so that someone else could know about Jesus. Currently, right now, we have 2,685 active missionaries, global and global workers on the field. In addition to that, we have almost 2,000 active short-term missionaries on the field, volunteers. Every 62 seconds, I want you to hear these statistics, every 62 seconds, a new believer is added to the church. Hallelujah. Every 60 minutes, a new minister of the gospel is enlisted and called to obey God and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And every one and a half hours, a new church is planted somewhere on this planet for the glory of God. Come on, somebody ought to give God glory for those things. It's happening. It's happening because of your faithfulness. It's happening because you said yes to God. It's happening because you said it doesn't matter if it's a sacrifice on my part. It doesn't matter if I'm going to have to give up something I want to do so that I can send someone else. I'll do whatever it takes to God be the glory. I'm grateful that this movement, the Assemblies of God, and we're not the only movement, but I'm thankful to be a part of a movement that has a heart and a passion to obey the Great Commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Jesus has a word for us this morning. And I'm praying I will do something adequate enough to be able to be used to share this word. It's the same word that he gave the 11 disciples when they met with him in Galilee on the mountain just before his ascension. It was a commissioning message. This is a commissioning message this morning to you. God is commissioning his church Not because he hasn't done it already. It happened when the word of God was penned. It happened by his spirit at at his resurrection and at his ascension. But it's happening today. It's a renewed commission from God to you. Everybody say me. To you and to me, to your neighbor, to everyone who loves and serves the Lord. See, we're still in the aftermath of the resurrection We're still in the reverberations, the fruitfulness of all that Jesus wants to do. And you and I must be willing to go. I know some of you are sitting in this room today saying, I I can't go to Ecuador, Pastor. Are you calling me into the mission field? Well, if God does, then yes. But if not, you can give. You can pray. You can send someone else. You can sacrifice a little here so that someone else can receive it there. We must go. Everybody say, we must go. Say it again. Say, we must go. I don't know what going looks like to you, but all of us can do our part. We're called to a mission field. We're called to a community. You may not be able to go to Ecuador, but I'll tell you where you can go. You can cross the street and talk to your neighbor. You may not be able to go across the street, but you can pick up the phone and call a loved one. There's a friend, there's a coworker, there's somebody that you can reach for the love of God. There's a place that you work, there's a school you attend, there's a neighborhood, there's a family member, there's a close friend. There's someone today that you're called to minister to. God is challenging you. He's challenging me. He's challenging this church today. He's renewing his commission to us today to be faithful, to step out, and to take the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. If you believe that this morning, would you just say yes or amen or something? God is speaking. I was reminded in preparation of this message of a personal account, a true account of sharing our faith. I was young, and I'd almost forgotten this story. I've shared it before. I don't know if I've shared it here. I've shared it in other places. My dad pastored a church in Blacksburg, Virginia. I believe it was around 1989. I was a teenager. And we had had a group of Bible college students come to our church for a weekend of ministry and outreach and just serving the community and doing some door-to-door 
evangelism. We don't do that anymore. The culture's changed. We don't knock on doors kind of, you know, cold turkey and say, can I tell you about Jesus? I was reminded yesterday in a meeting I was in about the evangelism explosion method of sharing our faith. And it was a door-to-door process of going and telling people about Jesus. And we don't do that much anymore. But in this day, in 1989, we were knocking on doors and, and, and telling people about Jesus, inviting them to church, and specifically what I was doing, what I had the, the boldness to do because I wasn't very bold and sure about how to, what to say, but we had tracks. Anybody remember Christian tracks, the little storybook kind? And there was five or six or ten pages of a story about Jesus, and, uh, and then they would, uh, we would pass those out, and it would help lead people to Christ. And, and I remember so well passing those out and wondering and asking myself the question, I wonder if anyone really reads these. They were kind of cheesy to look at. I mean, maybe not in those days, but now for sure. But even then, I remember thinking they're kind of cartoonish and they're kind of like, you know, it reminded me of the little books when we were kids, like C-Spot Run, C-Spot Jump Over the Stick. Remember those? I mean, that was just the illustration. The message was much deeper than that, but the illustrations just made me think of that kind of thing. And I was like, I wonder if anybody really reads these. And then there was a place on the back of those to stamp your church's name and phone number and an address and a way to, to contact. And then on the back, there was this prayer of commitment to Jesus Christ, repentance of sin and surrendering of heart to Jesus. And then underneath that was a place to sign your name if you said that prayer. And I just asked myself and would probably still ask myself, does anybody even read this kind of thing? Does anybody really respond to this? And that week of minis- weekend of ministry kind of came and went. It was good. It's always encouraging when you can go out and share the love of God. But there was no real effect from it that we could see in the immediate. There was no real kind of like, you know, revival breakout or 50 people gave their life to Jesus or anything like that. It was just a weekend of ministry. But the story doesn't end there. A couple weeks later, my dad got a phone call at the church from a lady who told us that her son had died. And I believe it was a car accident. I don't remember exactly, but he had passed away. And this mother, of course, was extremely devastated. She had been pretty sure that her son was not serving the Lord. Maybe had never asked Christ into his heart. She was devastated. She was hurting. And she didn't know what to do. But she went into his bedroom after the fact, after his passing. And she looked over on his nightstand. And on his nightstand was a little Christian track, a storybook about Jesus. She was glad that it was there. She was happy to see that maybe he had read that. But that wasn't the end of the story. She picked that little book up. She turned that little book over. And on the back of that book, there was a prayer. And under that prayer, her son had signed his name. That he had prayed and asked Jesus Christ into his heart. And asked Jesus to come and set him free. And that was the hope that that mother holds. That because someone shared their faith. That because someone took an extra step out of their way to go and just tell him about Jesus. Or to pass a little storybook to him about Jesus. That he would pray that prayer. He didn't know his life was almost over. But today, I believe that young man stands in the throne room of heaven. I believe he's a son of the living God. And I believe he serves God. And his mother one day will see him again. Because of his commitment to Jesus Christ, you never know how your witness will impact a life or the world around you. You never know what one word will do, what one way of loving someone will affect. Just do it. In Matthew chapter 28, our text this morning, verses 18 and 20, Jesus, just before his ascension, he says, Jesus came and he told his disciples, I have been given all authority. Somebody say all authority. In heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Your Bible might say to all people, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach, them new, uh, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. And then he says this, and be sure of this, I am with you always. Somebody say always. Even to the very end of the age. The great commission of Jesus is more than a great suggestion. 
It's quiet in here. I'm going to say that again. The great commission that I just read from Jesus is more than a great suggestion. I'm talking to believers right now. I'm talking to people who have bowed their knee to Christ. I'm talking to people who have surrendered their life to him. We do not have a, a choice to make here. Will I share my faith? Should I share my faith? The answer is yes, we must share our faith. It is a commission from God, not a suggestion. It's a call for you and for me to take this message of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. There's people dying and going to hell. You have loved ones that are dying and going to hell. You may never be able to reach them, but I know one thing's for sure. I bet you that mother prayed for her son. I could only imagine that that mother told other people about Jesus. I could only imagine that in her faithfulness to God, I'm believing that God heard that, and he said, I'm sending someone to make sure that her son hears about Jesus Christ, my son. I believe that God will move heaven and earth if we'll do our part, if we'll reach someone, if we'll take the gospel to someone. God will move heaven and earth to get someone to your loved one, to get someone to your coworker to tell them about Jesus, but we've got to do our part. The aftermath or the effects of the resurrection led us to the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what happened. I love Acts chapter, I love Acts. I love Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But listen to what it says. It says this. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my, you will be my, say it as loud as you can. You will be my witnesses telling people about me in a few places. Where? Everywhere. Telling people where? Everywhere. Friends, I want you to know something. Your, your area of influence might be smaller than some, and your area may not be able to do uh, everything that needs to be done, but if you'll reach the area that God has given you, if you'll tell someone around you about Jesus, if you'll give in offerings like today, if you'll do something to touch someone for God, I'm telling you the whole world will hear the reverberation of the word of the living God. It'll resound across the earth and around the globe if the church will rise up and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've been given the Holy Spirit for that purpose. I want you to know, I've said it before, but you weren't given the Holy Ghost to pray in tongues, and I love praying in tongues. You weren't given the Holy Ghost to have gifts of, of, of healings and miracles, and I love gifts of healings and miracles. You were given the Holy Ghost to be his witness to the very ends of the earth. Pastor, why are you getting so fiery and loud? I can't help myself. I can't help myself when I talk about unreached people. I can't help myself when I recognize that there's one person left to hear about Jesus, that you and I have a work to do. We've been commissioned by God. It's a great commission. There's three distinctions I want us to quickly catch a hold of this morning. There's a great claim in this commission. Jesus says, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. That's a great claim. Dr. George O. Wood, our former superintendent of the Assemblies of God, just in the last few months has gone to be with Jesus. But he said this, he said, Jesus' bold and audacious claim, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, lets us know we can't go wrong when we invest our lives with him. Hallelujah. You won't go wrong when you say yes to God. You won't go wrong when you say, send me, Lord, I'll go. You won't go wrong when you say, Lord, I'll do whatever you need me to do so that one more soul can know Jesus. Everything is subject to the authority of God. Now, somebody just needs to hear that for their own life. Everything is subject to the authority of God, all of heaven, all of earth, angels and archangels, saints and glory, the all created things, the devil and his minions, powers and principalities, thrones and dominions, all, everything is subject to the authority of the most high God. And what did we read at the beginning of this message? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Friend, all authority in heaven from Jesus has been given to you. You can have authority over dominions, over powers, over rulers of darkness in this world. You can have authority over sickness and disease. You can have authority even over the unsaved in your community by telling them about Jesus Christ till the whole world knows Jesus. Oh, thank you, God. Jesus has the final word. 
You and I are heirs. The Bible says we're joint heirs with Jesus. I, I don't know if you catch. I, I have to remind myself what that means. Joint heirs. That doesn't mean I'm sort of subpar to Jesus in my heirship. I don't think that's a word, but I, I, I'm not subpar to Christ in any way, shape, or form. I am a joint heir with Jesus. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us, each of us. I have authority. I have power. I have the ability to speak the things the Bible says that are not as though they are so that God can bring them to pass according to his will, his way, his time. There's something in your words as a believer that does not exist in the words of an unbeliever. Not because you're good, but God is good. Not because you're powerful, but God is all-powerful. As joint heirs with Jesus Christ, the same power, the same authority, the same dominion that Jesus has, we have, and we should use it for the glory of God to transform the world around us. You and I have authority in Jesus to boldly witness. It's a great claim. And with the great claim comes great responsibility. Everybody say great responsibility. This is the responsibility that comes through the commission. In verse 19, therefore go and make disciples of all people. What? Go and make disciples of all people. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This great responsibility flows out of this great claim of authority. I cannot go to all people and preach the word of God on my own. But because I have authority, I can tell someone else about Christ. Well, what if they, what if they get mad and, and hit me? Who cares? What if they threaten me? Who cares? What about missionaries this morning? that are standing on soil where it's illegal to tell somebody about Jesus. Where they risk life and limb and can literally be killed and put to death because they tell anyone about Jesus Christ. What about them? What about them that, are, that sold everything they own in America or put a few things in a storage unit somewhere and took their kids and their spouse and together, loaded on an airplane and landed on a closed country's soil where they cannot share the gospel, knowing that they may end up giving their life. You may say, oh, that doesn't happen today. Yes, it does. All around the world. And even in places where it's not illegal, it is rejected. And they take their life in their hands. What about them? They have great responsibility but they understand the authority that comes from serving Jesus. All power is given. All power is given, the Bible says. Therefore, go and make that power a reality. See, too many times we look at our small resources and we say it can't be done. We look at our checkbook and we say, there's no way I can do it. I, I just can't. Pastor, if you only understood, if you, if you knew what I have to do, I, I really need a, a house and houses have just gone through the roof. I, I just can't give in an offering. I, I can't give my tithes. I can't do what I, I know I should. I know I want to, but I just can't right now. I've got to get a new car. I, I have to pay for daycare. I learned something a long time ago. All of those things will always be true. You will always have to do something. There's always something to put your money in there's always something to give your time to there's always something pressing to take your energy your strength and any resource you have and so we look at our small resources and say that's an impossibility but if you'll take any little thing you do have and give it to Jesus he'll take your nothing and make it something he'll turn your little bit into a whole bunch if you'll just give it to Jesus Beverly and I learned a long time ago you cannot out give God and I'm not here to just pat us on the back or anyone else in this room that's ever done this on the back 
back. But I'm telling you, if you will write something by faith, if you will act out in faith, if you will do something that you don't think you can do in the natural, God will do something supernatural, not only to you, but through you till the whole world knows him. That's what it takes. Telling you churches that are giving millions to missions don't have billions sitting in a bank somewhere. They're just presenting the message. They're just presenting the need. And people are saying, you know what? I'm just going to do something. I don't even know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. And God brings the increase. There's a great responsibility. Dr. Wood also said this, evangelism is integral to our faith. Jesus did not demand us to take trips, but rather to make disciples. Oh, I want to say that again. Jesus didn't tell us to take trips, but to make disciples. I love to travel. How about you? I do. But he didn't tell us to make sure you go to the uttermost parts of the earth. He said, go and make disciples, and I will be with you to the uttermost parts of the earth, to the end of the age. However that looks, whether it's you going or you sending or you praying or you giving, whatever it is, do what you can do. And what I have found is that when you do a little bit, God will stir your heart and you'll do a little more. And when you do that, you'll do a little bit more. And you'll do that and you'll look back over time and you'll say, I can't believe what God has used me to do for his glory. And I can't believe the fruitfulness, the reverberation, the after effect of all that God has done with what little bit I've done. The church has to be active in this responsibility the church must go. The church must sin. The church must pray. We have families. We have neighbors. We have coworkers. There's strangers walking down the street near and far. And no person can be left out of this commission to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. I look at Sister Margot right here. And she sent me a few weeks ago an email and said, Pastor, could you send me a, a recommendation to Special Touch Ministries? I want to go and serve at the camp for people with special needs to tell them about Jesus. Every life is worth hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Margo, for saying yes. I want you to know every one of us can say yes to something. Every one of us can do a little bit or a whole lot. But whatever you do, God will bless. There's great responsibility to go and make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them, telling them, and helping them. There's also a great assurance. I love the assurance part. I need the assurance from God. I need to know and remember day after day that he says, I will be with you. I'll be with you. His presence is real. His power is real. Obedience to the great commission is encouraged by the promise of his unfailing and sustaining presence. Oh, I need his unfailing and sustaining presence in my life. I need him when I'm tired. I need him when I'm broke. I need him when relationships are struggling. I need him when church is here, and I need it when church is here, and I need him every moment of every day. We're more than sent. We're not just sent. We're more than sent. We are accompanied by God himself. When you give, when you go, you're accompanied. The Great Commission also requires a great commitment. Matthew 24, verse 14, a few chapters back, says this, And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all peoples, all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. I believe Jesus is about to come but they're still unreached people groups. We've got to get the word out. How many want Jesus to come? I mean, like, wouldn't that be really cool if he just showed up today? I'm saying, I'm serious. Like, there's a lot of things we would just miss. <laughs> like our next mortgage payment. <laughs> That'd be awesome. And he might, and he could. But there's unreached people. And this verse says, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all people will hear it. And then the end will come. Now listen, what I'm not saying is that it's not going to happen today because it very well could. I'm not God. God is sovereign and he could supernaturally make everyone this very instant hear. 
the gospel message. I'm not saying how that would happen. I'm not saying that will happen. I'm just saying God in his sovereignty, in in his ability to do all things, could just make that happen. But until that happens, there's work to be done. There's a mandate from heaven. There's a commission from God to you. Everybody say me. To take this message, the message I'm preaching, the message that God gave us in his word, the gospel, the good news to all people. And he says, I will be with you always. It's a commitment When you bowed your knee and gave your life to Christ, there was a commission placed on your life. And now you have the responsibility to make the commitment to say, yes, Lord. Yes. I won't let a conversation go by that I don't share the love of God. I won't let an opportunity pass me where I won't be your light and your love. Now, I want you to understand what I'm saying because some people may hear that and say, oh, well, I'm not a very good talker. I don't speak well or I don't always know what to say, Pastor, and I'm afraid to say much of anything. It doesn't always. I think it will always lead to us being able to say something and having the ability to say something with our mouth. But you don't have to lead always by your mouth. Sometimes you just show the love of God by putting your arm around somebody and listening. Sometimes you show the good news of Jesus Christ just by showing a little compassion, by caring, by smiling, by going out of your way to just help. The Holy Spirit will do the rest. He'll open up little doors. He'll give you divine opportunities to share your faith, to tell your testimony, but you got to do it. It's a commitment. In fact, it might be the understatement of the world, of the century, to say that the task of evangelizing the world is unfinished. There is so much work to be done. It's going to take the supernatural power of the Holy Ghost to accomplish it. It's going to take a church like Calvary Assembly of God saying yes to God, saying I'll go, I'll do, I'll be, whatever it takes. In a world with more than 7 billion people and 17,000 people groups, It's estimated that more than 40% are yet unreached with the clear gospel of Jesus Christ. There's almost 7,000 unreached people groups. That seems outrageous to me, but it's a current statistic from the Assemblies of God. There are people to be reached. Our task is clear. Jesus doesn't say to take vacations or to go to church, though you should, and he does command us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But what he does say in these final words on this earth is to go. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And again, that can look like you sending someone else, but it's us making sure that the message goes. It's a clear task. And sometimes the most inconvenient place is not Africa, but where you are right now. Some of you would say, I'll go to Africa and tell people about Jesus, but please don't ask me to go to school (laughs) and tell people about Jesus or to work. The most inconvenient place is the place you are. It's the restaurant this afternoon. It's the lunch table with unsaved family and friends. It's wherever you find yourself, at Walmart or Target. (laughs) Tell people about Jesus. We need a commitment. A commitment declares that the church will not sleep until the job is done. The kind of commitment that God is releasing to this house today is not one that says, here, let me write a bigger check. I did not want let me just do more. I hope he does that. If he does it, you do it, okay? You obey God. But that's not the kind of commitment I'm talking about. I'm talking about one that gets you up at 2 a.m. in the morning and goes, takes you to a quiet place in your house where you won't have to wake up anyone else and you just cry on your face, God, send someone to tell someone else about Jesus. Don't let anyone else die until they hear about you and have an opportunity to accept you as Lord and Savior. I'm talking about a commitment. This says, I'll cross the street to tell that person on the corner about Jesus. I'll do whatever I can. The person picking up a can of green beans at the grocery store next to me, I'll look at him and say, how's your day going? 
You got some problems? Can I pray with you? Can I tell you about somebody who can fix, change, and heal you? The Great Commission takes a great commitment, but it also includes communication. I said earlier, it doesn't always have to start with the mouth, and it certainly doesn't, but your mouth is required or some form of communication. And by the way, because you know God is using all kinds of things. He's using the arts. He's using creative uh, expression. He's using artwork and paintings and, and singing, and he's using all kinds of drama and other things, any way possible till the whole world knows Jesus. It's not just one way, but it requires communication. It says in verse 20, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. You've got to teach somebody. You can't just tell them about Jesus. It's not just like, it's done, good, you got it, now go. That's a great start, but you have to teach them. We have to tell them how to serve the Lord. We have to help them know what the word of God says. It's proclamation, it's preaching, it's teaching, it's telling. Jesus' last words to the church must become our first priority to this world that we're living in. What part of go are we missing? What part of go don't we understand? Go into all the world. We are making progress with modern missions, technology, and ability. More countries are being reached than ever before. I said it earlier, but our fellowship has almost 2,700 missionaries and associates in 217 countries and territories. But there's still 4 billion people that need to receive Jesus and hear a clear presentation of the gospel. Let me give you some startling statistics very quickly. One person dies every second without Christ. One person dies every second without Christ. In the United States, we have one preacher for every 230 30 people. But in the rest of the world, it's estimated that one preacher is available for every 135 million people. We need to train pastors. We need to train missionaries. We have a long ways to go with the communication challenge. And if we can't physically go, then we must give. And we must pray. And we must send. And we must communicate the glorious good news of the gospel to the world. Fourthly, the Great Commission must be completed. Time is of the essence. Everybody say that with me. Time is of the essence. I want you to catch this. Time is of the essence. People are dying and going to hell. I wonder, that story I shared at the beginning, I wonder if that young man, if we had not knocked on his door, if we had not handed him, I don't know who handed it to him, I don't know which group it was in, but if somebody had not taken, I know when I've been out uh, witnessing and going door to door earlier in life, I didn't, I I may skip a door. (laughs) Anybody with me? Like that that house looks a little shady. (laughs) I don't know if I want to get close. They may have a dog, they may, whatever. Uh, I think they'd shoot me if I walk up there. What if his house looked like that? I don't know. But if somebody hadn't said yes to God, I wonder if that young man would have had another opportunity. I wonder if anyone else, there's work to be done and it must be completed because time is of the essence. It's not just a dissemination of facts, but it's a discipleship of nations. Seems unfathomable, it seems incomprehensible how can we reach the whole world how can i little old me do anything to reach the nations but everything we do adds up with whatever someone else does everything we do makes a difference there's more to evangelizing than just scattering the seed it starts there but jesus says go and make disciples now here's the fact you can't force people to become christians But you and I are under orders to tell everybody about Jesus. You can't force them, but you can never give up on them. The gospel produces changed lives. You can't just record decisions. You'll notice around the building now we have little QR codes where it says if you made a commitment to Christ, scan this. It's just one other means. But here's something the Holy Spirit put in my heart months ago. He said you can't just pray with people and have them raise their hand and pray a sinner's prayer. That's a start. That's where we start. That's all we know to do. But what are you going to do? How are you going to follow up with them? How are you going to really minister to them? How are you going to disciple them? How are you going to raise them up? We've got to have an opportunity to be able to reach you where you are and teach you about Jesus Christ. 
If you make a commitment to Christ today, either online or in person, tell us online. Go and and let us know on our website. But if you're here in person, scan that QR code or find a pastor or an usher and let them know. We want to disciple you. We must disciple you. We have to grow in our faith. We have to become the children of God that he called and created us to be. The gospel changes us. It heals us. It renews us. And the task is not complete if we're just telling. It's only complete when we are discipling others. Howard Cummings said, the harvest must be brought in and stored for safekeeping and not left in the field to rot. God help us to not leave our fruit in fields to rot. We must endeavor to see the whole world know Jesus. We must see the world through God's eyes and not America's eyes. I saw those pictures of Ecuador and I couldn't help myself. I I cry thinking about it. I can't help myself. They're meeting in open door lean-tos and shacks, plastic chairs or ground to sit upon. And I take nothing from what God has blessed us with. Don't misunderstand my comments. I'm not ready to sell the pews and, 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 and sit on the floors in here. I'm not ready to knock down the walls and have an open air building. That's not what I'm saying. God doesn't require that of us. What he requires is to make sure that those people have a place to worship. What he requires is to make sure that we do our part, that there's someone to teach them about Jesus, to raise up pastors, to send out missionaries. Jesus said this. It's our challenge to completion. In Luke chapter 12, verse 35 and 36, he says, be dressed and ready for service and keep your lamps burning like men waiting for their master to return. A couple of verses down at verse 37, he says this, it will be good for those servants whose masters find them watching when he comes. Watching doesn't just mean locked in a room somewhere saying, Jesus, come and save me from this wicked world. It means that I'm doing something for the glory of God. I'm making sure that one more soul knows Jesus. We must be ready. We must be watching and completing the task. Lastly, this morning, the Great Commission will be concluded with a great celebration. Everybody shout celebration. Hallelujah. Somebody said this, that eternity will include either joyous celebration or profound embarrassment. Keep in mind that the judgment seat of Christ is for Christians. It's for you and me. We will be held accountable for the works we have done or not done. We will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This is not a moment for Pastor Greg to condemn anyone. If I were to condemn anyone, I would be even more condemned. Not trying to make anyone feel bad, but it is a wake-up call from God to this house. It's a wake-up call from God to Greg Evans. It's a wake-up call from God to each of you in this room today. We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Did we do our part to fulfill the Great Commission? Did we do the thing that God told us and commanded us to do to go into all the world and preach the gospel? Did we make the sacrifice necessary? Did we do what we could do? Did we pray in the wee hours of the morning when he awakened us? Did we go to someone across the street or to our coworker? Did we do all that we could do to make sure the whole world knows him? Again, please don't feel condemned, but I want us to be awake. I want us to be in reality that Jesus is about to come and we will stand before him and there is a world, a host of people that have yet to know him and serve him and we have work to do second corinthians 5 10 says this for we must all stand before christ to be judged we will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body for some the master will say in matthew 25 23 it says this the master will say well done my good and faithful servant you have been faithful in handling this small amount So now, I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Enter in to your reward. For others, the prospect will not be so celebratory. Here's what I mean by that. We will not be able to explain away our wrong priorities. Right now, I can. Right now. I can justify all kinds of things. Right here, I can say, but, but God, you know, everybody got hungry. There just wasn't time to finish the message. I had to let them go. Or 
I tried to tell them about Jesus at work, but I was afraid I was going to get fired. Again, it's not my job today to condemn anyone, but we will not be able to explain away wrong priorities. We work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, each of us before God, between you and God. Don't listen to Greg today and say, well, Greg, Pastor Greg made me feel condemned. Don't say that. If you feel any condemnation right now, it is not from Greg, and it's not even from God. He doesn't condemn, but he does transform. He does convict. So don't look at his condemnation this morning. Look at it as a conviction from the power of the Holy Ghost that is in us, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Look at it as a conviction to say, I'll do whatever you need me to do, God. I'll give whatever you need me to give. I'll go wherever you tell me to go. We will not be able to explain away our trivialization of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What commanded your time in this life? What commanded your gifts and abilities in this life? What commanded your money in this life? Here's the facts. We might fool ourselves, but we will not fool God. Matthew 6, 21 says, wherever your treasure is, there's your heart also. I've heard it said this way. I've heard it said, show me your financial records and I'll show you where your heart is. I don't want to see your financial records today but I want you to think about it. Go through the last month of your checkbook or your online banking statement and see where most of your money's been spent. For me, it might be the restaurant. Or mortgages. Or whatever else. And there's nothing wrong with those things. Where was my heart? Have I given to Jesus? Have I given to missions? Have I gone out of my way? Has my time been spent in prayer? Has my heart wept over my lost loved ones? Not just worried, but wept. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is why Global missions and giving is a core value of Calvary Assembly of God. I will never apologize for taking a missions offering or taking any offering. I'll never apologize for asking yet again, can we do something more for this goal, for this need, for this project? Why? Because it's the DNA of God. But to not leave it on such a heavy note, hallelujah, for those of us who seize the moment, this moment of harvest. And can I tell you, we're living in a moment of harvest. I am hearing prophetic word after prophetic word, personally as well as corporately within the body of Christ, that something is shifting, something is happening. There are several specific words about this potential, and I'm believing absolute turn of uh, a reversal of Roe v. Wade, that there is something significantly spiritual that's going to happen because of the church praying for that to happen. Don't quit praying yet. Don't ever quit praying. But when that happens, that there is something significant spiritually that's going to take place. Listen to me this morning. I'm not just here to hype us up for some kind of revival, but God has promised revival. He has promised revival in the last days, and I want to be part of it. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. I'm believing for it. And this is a moment of harvest. Revival, again, is not going to look like just supernatural gifts occupying or functioning in the church, but it's going to look like souls coming to Jesus Christ. It's going to look like altars that are filled with bowed knees and bowed hearts and surrendered lives. It's going to look like people that you thought would never surrender their life to Jesus saying yes to Jesus Christ. It's going to happen. And the Bible tells us that for those who seize this moment of harvest, there will be a joyful celebration. The Apostle John describes it in Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. After this, he says, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, for every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed with white robes and they held palm branches in their hands and they were shouting with a mighty shout, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb of God, hallelujah, who takes away the sins of the world. John also explained exactly how we got there. 
in verse 9 of chapter 5, he says, And they sang a new song with these words, You, Jesus, are worthy to take the scrolls and break its seal and open it, for you were slaughtered. And your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation. Jesus died for you and he also died for that young person in a distant land somewhere who has yet to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and we must do our part to get it to them. It's only because of the blood of Jesus. It's only because of the good news of his saving grace. And then John gives us this glimpse, and I'm finishing. You can stand, go ahead, stand with me. Our, our worship team can come. Stand with me. Listen, John gives us this glimpse of this powerful day of celebration and what it's going to look like for those who said yes to Jesus, yes to his gospel, yes to fulfilling the Great Commission. In chapter 5, verse 12 of Revelation, it says this, talking about us. And they sang a mighty chorus. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Somebody give God praise in this room right now. We don't have to wait till heaven. It can start right now. All glory and honor and power and praise be unto our God. Forever and forever, Jesus did his part, more than his part. He paid the price and he finished the task. And now it's our turn. Not to retract, not to back down, not to go and hide somewhere, but to respond to the Great Commission. Committed to the unfinished task of going into all the world. My question to this church this morning is, will you go with me? Will you go with me? I can't go alone. Well, I can, and I won't have to. God will be with me. But I can't do it by myself effectively. But if you'll join me, and you'll join me, and you'll join me, we can change the world for Jesus. Will you go with me today? Maybe we'll go somewhere together to a foreign land and tell the people about Jesus physically. But until then, we can pray. Until then, we can give one more dollar. Until then, we can do whatever it takes to give our time, talent, and treasure. What I believe God wants from us this morning, beyond the obvious of meeting the needs, whatever they may be around the world, It's to renew our commitment to him to be witnesses, to not be afraid, to not back down, to fulfill this great commission. And his question is, are you willing to share your faith? Are you willing to share your personal testimony? Are you willing to tell someone else about him by the way you live and the words you say? Are you willing to be bold? Thank you.